Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. When CCTV footage of Beyonce, Solange and Jay-Z in an elevator leaked to the media, the public had no idea what to make of it. Then, two years later, we were introduced to Becky with the good hair. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Zara Ellis McDonald. Michelle Andrews, we're back for part two of this Beyonce Solange Jay-Z series. Elevator Gate. Elevator Gate. We unpacked a lot last week. In fact, this is another one of those episodes that we thought <laughs> was just going to be one episode. And then the more we talk about it and the more we research, we're like, we can't fit this all in. The more you research, the more you're like, this is very important detail that we cannot deprive the listeners of. So guys, welcome to our second episode. Today, we are going to try our very, very best to tie up all the loose ends that we made in episode one. <laughs> and boy, were there many. What did we learn in episode one. Well, we learned many things last episode, (laughs) Michelle, but I think first off, we learned that you and I like to add a little bit of spice to things because we (laughs) repeatedly referred to the standard hotel's boom boom room as the boom 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 room (laughs) we did I don't know what made us or what compelled us to do that I think maybe in our head we were hearing that boom 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 song I don't know well the most ridiculous thing is when we went back to our notes and looked at it our notes were right. <laughs> we had just added the extra boom whenever we were talking on mic, which is amazing. It is spicier. I mean, I wish it was called the boom, boom, boom room, but thank you to the listeners who fact-checked us on that one. It is technically the boom, boom room. But for the purposes of this podcast, we will continually <laughs> refer to it as the boom, boom, boom room. We also mourned a hotel that's actually not dead, Mish. <laughs> so while the standard hotel for celebrities did shut down, it was only the LA arm of the hotel's operations. It should be noted that New York City's standard hotel is apparently A-OK. And good on them. Very happy for them. Good to hear. Sorry for killing off the standard hotel. <laughs> what other stuff did we learn? Well, when it comes to what we actually learned from the episode, it was really interesting because I think one of the key things 
things we learned was something that people probably knew, but we were reminded about more and more. Mm. And that was regarding how private Beyonce and Jay-Z are. Yeah. Like I can't think of another celebrity couple that almost refused to admit to the media that they were dating even when they were married. Yeah, absolutely. So they were super fucking private. There was basically nothing to go off as far as their relationship was concerned. We had a handful of paparazzi shots. We had whispers from sources to the media. Their marriage was confirmed when Beyonce, a few months after the wedding, put her hand up to shield her face from a pap and that paparazzo got a shot of her wedding ring and engagement ring. Yeah, exactly. Trying to hide from the paparazzi but exposing everything in the process. As we know, ever since that video of the fight was leaked to TMZ a week after the 2014 Met Gala, theories really started to emerge about what actually caused the fight, most of them centred on infidelity from Jay-Z's part. And this all very interestingly occurred, Mish, as they were about to take off on their first international tour together. It was marketed off their relationship. It was called On The Run and it was going to be the first time that they would tour together as husband and wife and perform as like a duo and as solo acts. Sarah, what a good place to pick up this episode. We are going to rewind to exactly that point. We are one month past the Met Gala. It's June 2014 and Beyonce and Jay-Z are touring together. All right, Mish, it is June 2014. It is officially one month after the Met Gala and one month after that video was leaked. And as we said, these two are about to embark on a huge tour together. This tour is actually across not the world. They did a second on the run tour a year or two later that was a bit bigger. This one was America and Canada. Mm. Now, I think what we need to understand when we're talking about celebrities touring is I mean, the reason that they all go on tour is because this is where the money is. Like these are their own hundreds of million dollar businesses, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do we want to talk about money right now? Because the sums that were pocketed because of this tour were absolutely crazy. This was a huge commercial success for the couple. From the On The Run tour, they grossed $96 million in the first 19 North American shows and $109.7 million in total as well as attendance nearing the 1 million mark. So 979,000 tickets were sold. So you can imagine going back a bit before this tour was started with this bad publicity. I don't know if it was going to be a great thing for the tour or a Mm. terrible thing for the tour, but there was so much money tied up in this and so many people kind of waiting on the edge of their seat to watch the two. Mm. The tour was a huge success, which is, I think, an amazing thing to be able to say a month after this massive controversy. If anything, I think the Met Gala drama was probably good for the tour. It generated so much publicity. It generated so many headlines. And if they probably came to Australia, I think I would be more inclined to Mm. buy a ticket because I would want to see the kind of performance that they were going to put on. I don't know, maybe I would just make some stupid assumption that I'd get a clue (laughs) about what happened by being in their orbit. Not a stupid assumption because if you're like a swing ticket buyer, and I mean that to be like if you're a swing voter in politics where you could sway one way or the other and a particular headline pushes you over the edge, if you're a swing ticket buyer and you're like, I might spend $100 or I might not, this could, seeing them in the news all the time, seeing all these headlines, having the juicy clickbait around them, it could push you over the edge. And I think that allure of maybe I will see something that is groundbreaking. Like a flicker in their eye. <laughs> yeah, if I 
see something on stage, I might be the first person to witness it. And those ticket buyers were not stupid for thinking that because we know on the Ohio leg of this tour in July, they got exactly that. Ticket buyers got their scoop on a news story. Yes. So at this concert in July, Beyonce took the stage in like this white, almost wedding-inspired gown, and she started performing a song about infidelity from her 2006 album B-Day called Resentment, and she adjusted the lyrics. Yeah, so she tweaked the lyrics, and the tweaks certainly seem to align with her current situation. So Beyonce's original lyric from Resentment was, been riding with you for six years, I got to look at her in her eyes and see she's had half of me. That was changed when she was performing on stage in Ohio and it became been riding with you for 12 years. I got to look at her in her eyes and see she's had half of me. She ain't even half of me. That bitch will never be. You can imagine, of course, that people go a bit wild when Beyonce starts changing her lyrics so soon after the Elevator Gate incident. I mean, her and Jay-Z had reportedly been together for around this time by the time she's singing this song. So... It's obviously about him. Like it's so clearly about him and I don't think anyone can argue otherwise. I think this is exactly what she wants to get across. It's just an incredible thread that we'll see through this episode with Jay-Z and Beyonce in that they are so private. They want the world to know nothing of their relationship, but something in them, and you can be cynical or you can be very pure about this, (laughs) wants to communicate to the world through their music. And it might be the only way that they can kind of make peace with their mistakes in their relationship through music or you could say it's a publicity stunt. Well, you could be Pollyanna and be like, it's for the art. Or you could be, as Ara McDonald, and say, it's for the PR stunt. I don't know, though. I think it's actually <laughs> a bit of column A, a bit of column B. What we'll learn about these two is that they did a lot of therapy through music. Mm. And so I don't know if therapy is changing the lyrics halfway through a concert, though. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I think it does make a lot of sense that people are asking, was this a PR stunt? Because they were making money off of this. Like, yes, it's personal turmoil and Yes, it would be very emotionally difficult to deal with infidelity within your marriage. To then exclusively channel that in a forum where you cash in and you see dollar signs is an interesting story. And it's no wonder that people are adding everything up. They're seeing the dollar signs involved and they're going, hang on. Have we been bamboozled by one of the cleverest celebrity couples? Was this all a stunt? Was this all a PR spin to sell more concert tickets and end up fattening Jay-Z and Beyonce's wallets? Yes. So this is an interesting theory. I mean, the first time that Beyonce ever really acknowledged the elevator incident was in her music as well, music that she's making money off. On August 12, 2014, so just a couple of months after Elevator Gate, she released the remix to her song Flawless with Nicki Minaj. And the lyric that came out of that song was, we escalating up in this bitch like elevators. Of course, sometimes shit goes down when there's a billion dollars on an elevator. This went wild. Do you remember yes. this? This was fucking bananas. I remember everyone hearing this lyric and the internet almost just becoming like a wildfire, like it was spreading everywhere. Yeah, 100%. And then it obviously didn't help that we had one Matthew Knowles, Beyonce (laughs) and Solange's father, accusing them both of releasing this as a publicity stunt. So speaking on a Houston radio show in late August, he implied that the entire incident was staged. Yeah, he didn't just imply it, he outright basically (laughs) said it. This was the quote. I know because we've done this. From experience, there's a tour going on. So you sometimes have to ignite that tour. It's called a Jedi mind trick. The Jedi mind trick fools you a lot. 
When asked if he thought the couple had leaked the elevator footage themselves, despite the fact that the standard had already come out and said <laughs> they'd fired someone, Matthew Knowles said this, All I know is the Jedi mind trick. Everyone's talking about it. Ticket sales went up. Solange's album sales went up 200%. I think the most important context we can give here as well is that Beyonce, Solange and their father weren't exactly on the best terms (laughs) at this point in their careers. Beyonce had actually fired him as her manager in 2011 and that came only a year or two after her mother, Tina Knowles, had filed divorce papers because of an extramarital affair. Yeah, so let's actually chat a little bit, give a little bit more context about Matthew Knowles because he was Beyonce's mentor from the earliest of ages. Like he was a stage dad. I know we hear a lot about stage mums. There are stage dads out there and Beyonce's dad is one such person. This mentorship began way back in 1988 when Beyonce was just a child. He was the one who pushed her to kind of start a girls group. It was originally called Girls Time. He was also the one who set the stage for Destiny's Child and roped in other children like Kelly Rowland. He was the kind of machine behind Beyonce's celebrity as a very young person. I think it's something that we hear more and more and more when we dig into very famous people's childhoods is that there's almost always a parent there that forces this, that kind of channels their own hopes and their own dreams through their children and starts moulding this from like the age of five or six. And that's exactly what's happened with Matthew Knowles. He has been committed to making Beyonce a star since she was just a child. So when Destiny's Child was created in 1996, he assumed the role of the group's manager and producer. And so when the group took a hiatus, as we know, in 2002, Matthew started really aggressively marketing Beyonce as a solo artist. Yeah, which is kind of funny. If you go back and look at quotes from this time, the other Destiny's Child members were kind of like, oh, we're apparently using this time to pursue our solo career. But clearly Matthew Knowles was like, Beyonce is the main star of this group and I'm going to pluck her out and then push her out as a solo artist. So I'm not sure how all the band members felt about this. They thought they were taking a holiday and the band was (laughs) never coming back together. Fast forward a few years, we're now in the late 2000s and a Canadian-born actress, Alexandra Wright, begins an 18-month affair with Matthew Knowles. So he's married to Tina Knowles at this time. He meets this Canadian-born actress. He kind of takes her under his wing, says he wants to mentor her in the industry and get her all of these roles. They then begin sleeping together And after 18 months, there is a love child. Yes, she falls pregnant and paternity tests confirm that Matthew Knowles was the father. This was pretty public. I mean, they all had to acknowledge it publicly. Alexandra Wright actually had to issue her own public apology, which I find kind of interesting. I find it a bit weird that she has to apologise. Yeah, I wonder if she did this to get more attention onto a custody dispute that was actually happening at the same time. So Alexandra Wright and Matthew Knowles were never really officially together. Things were very sour between them basically as soon as the paternity test headline started coming out. They disagreed on what Matthew Knowles would owe her in a child support sense and Alexandra Wright kind of used that tension to go to the media, issue an apology to Beyonce, her mother and her sister directly because she knew media would then pick that up because it's a huge story. So this is what she said in 2013, a few years after that affair happened. She said, in the beginning, Matthew and I had a working relationship that encompassed mutual respect and professional admiration. When I met him, I already had a very successful 
successful and financially viable professional career. He positioned himself as a mentor to me and someone that I could turn to for business advice. As time passed, our relationship turned into a very close personal one. I never wanted or intended to hurt anyone in the process. I regret the pain that I have contributed to his family and to my own family. I have the utmost respect and admiration for both of his daughters. They are both lovely women. I also regret the pain that this situation has caused his ex-wife, Tina, and very much wish one day I will get the opportunity to tell her personally. Yeah. By this point, Beyonce had really become estranged from Matthew Knowles. So surprisingly, it actually wasn't the affair that prompted her to sever ties. It was another scandal entirely that forced her to go, you know what, dad, I do not want you as my manager anymore. Yeah. So in 2011, again, two years after her mother had filed from divorce from her father, legal reports obtained by TMZ alleged that he was stealing money from her. Mm. So she fired him as her manager and she released a statement at the time saying, I've only parted ways with my father on a business level. He is my father for life and I love my dad dearly. I'm grateful for everything he has taught me. I grew up watching he and my mother manage and own their own businesses. They were hardworking entrepreneurs and I will continue to follow in their footsteps. Which is all to say that when Matthew Knowles hopped on a Houston radio station and said, (laughs) this is probably a PR stunt, he probably didn't know shit. Like he wasn't on good terms at all with his daughters and God knows why he would do this. It reminds me of Jen Aniston's mum. It's like, can you just fucking sit down, like let your child have the spotlight, let them live their lives and stop meddling and being toxic forces. Like fuck off, Matthew Knowles and fucking, what was her name, Aniston? Nancy. Nancy and Matthew, both in the sin bin. Yes, absolutely fair, cool. So as we said, we've got Matthew Knowles saying, I reckon Elevator Gate was a publicity stunt. There was also somebody else who thought that this was a publicity stunt too, and his name was Jonathan Hay. Jonathan Hay. Now we have actually introduced you to Jonathan Hay before, as a reminder, he is that person who said he set up those Rihanna and Jay-Z rumours about yes. them having an affair. And then when he came out and said, ha ha, they didn't actually have an affair. I made up those rumours. Everybody else who worked with him was like, we don't even really remember working with you. <laughs> who is Jonathan Hay? <laughs> who are you? But he told Billboard, always consider the timing in these situations. The staged elevator fight hit the news immediately before the release of their On The Run tour trailer video. The fight gives regular news stations beyond just entertainment news a headline which broadens their audience they're also going to bring up the on the run tour and ask questions like will there be drama on the road and is this going to be the final performance of jay-z and beyonce they created a compelling spectacle which ultimately creates demand talk to me talk to me talk to me i understand it looks bad the video coming out while they're trying to sell concert tickets is unfortunate Do I buy that two people who were so private they refused to even tell us they were frigging dating, engaged or married would then carry out a PR stunt to this degree that looks so bad and really puts a spotlight on their family tensions? No, I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I do not think this could possibly be a PR stunt. I agree with you. I don't know who in their right mind would want people to speculate about the relationships within their family to this degree. Like if you wanted to do a publicity stunt, there are a million things you could do. You could (laughs) fucking renew your vows or something. Do you know what I mean? To put yourself in the headlines and kind of put yourself into the forefront front of people's minds you're not going to put also Solange in the spotlight too talk about hot water like this was a violent altercation in a lift you are not going to want to do that to your little sister who doesn't have a profile to the same degree as yours and also yes maybe her album sales rose but she was not benefiting enough from this interaction 
to justify it to me. Like there's got to be something else going on. And if you ask me, it was a deeply unfortunate incident that they did not want out in the public domain. Yes, but that is not to say that they wanted to make lemonade from the lemons that came. (laughs) We have to take a break. We have to hear from our sponsor from today. We'll be back in a second. You teased it out so expertly. (laughs) Good job, Zara McDonald. You said that potentially Jay-Z and Beyonce wanted to turn these lemons into lemonade and boy, oh boy, did they ever. Yes, they absolutely did. So on April 23, 2016, nearly two years to the month after this incident, Beyonce dropped her sixth studio album and second surprise album. It was called Lemonade, of course. Yeah, I loved this description from Alex Petridis for The Guardian. He wrote, given the amount of lurid media speculation about the Knowles-Carter union, you could have reasonably expected Beyonce to step discreetly around the subject for fear of giving the gossip mags further fuel. Perhaps a knowing illusion here and there, the odd bitter reference to the press intruding on her personal life. But no. In the film that accompanies the album, premiered last night on HBO, Beyonce does everything to express her displeasure at her husband's behaviour, short of appearing holding aloft a pair of scissors in one hand and Jay-Z's severed testicles (laughs) in the other. It is a bit like that, though. She really didn't hold back when she released this album. And I think if we thought that flawless remix with there's a a shit goes down with a billion dollars in an elevator was big, this was insane. This was a flame-throwing album. This was like fire and fury and just ferociousness personified in one album, one movie. So as you guys will remember, in the track Sorry... Beyonce sings about this moment in her marriage that nearly broke both the marriage and her. And she sung, looking at my watch, he should have been home. Today I regret the night I put that ring on. And then there was this iconic line. They sneaking out the back door. He only want me when I'm not there. He better call Becky with the good hair. Now... Many Beyonce fans will call them the beehive because that's what they call themselves. They immediately pointed fingers at designer Rachel Roy because as this song came out, Rachel Roy took to her Instagram page and posted a photo of her in a mirror with one of her friends with the caption, Good hair, don't care, but we will take good lighting for selfies or self-truths always. Live in the light hashtag no drama queens. I know it's like not quite the point, but what does that mean? (laughs) But like we will take good lighting for selfies or self-truths always. Like I actually don't think that makes any sense. Also the hashtag no drama queens. These selfies are doing a lot of heavy lifting. (laughs) I'm so confused. Anyway, as you can imagine, people went wild because the the minute this song was released, people were like straight away, who Who is Becky? Yeah, who the fuck is Becky with the good hair? And then the minute the Becky with the good hair, i.e., we think Rachel Roy uploaded this caption, people went to her Wikipedia page and changed her occupation to Becky with the good hair. (laughs) But she was trolled incessantly about this, wasn't she? Like often it it went way too far. I mean, she actually wasn't the only one who was trolled. One of my favourite tidbits about this story is that at the same time that people came for fashion designer Rachel Roy, 
many people got confused and started going at cooking personality Rachel Ray. (laughs) Rachel Ray is someone who's known for her like easy 30-minute meals on the Food Network and all of a sudden she found herself embroiled in the biggest celebrity scandal in the world. Yeah, so according to BuzzFeed, Beyonce's fans started commenting on Rachel Ray's Instagram (laughs) and they left bee and lemon emojis scattered on this innocent picture of a pulled beef slider. This is my favourite thing ever because BuzzFeed like compiled all of the trolling that Rachel Ray was getting and it was all just innocuous photos of food with like ferocious comments being like, how dare you pull apart my favourite celebrity marriage? And poor Rachel Ray was very disoriented (laughs) about the whole thing. Us Weekly did actually report that Rachel Ray and Rachel Roy sent each other gifts to help them through the pain (laughs) of the attacks. Rachel Ray told Us Weekly that Rachel Roy sent her flowers and that Rachel Ray sent Rachel Roy a bottle, a big (laughs) bottle of wine and a straw. Is that a thing? I'm so confused. I mean, maybe. Maybe we should do that this weekend. What do you think? What, drink wine out of a straw? Wine out of a straw. Why not? (laughs) Rachel Roy, of course, was on the receiving end of the majority of the attacks, though, because she basically shone a torch in her own face and was like, here you go, beehive, come for me. I'm the one you're after. An interesting decision. Like, I wonder why she thought it would be clever or smart or, or needed. Fun. Like, what was she doing saying good hair don't care? Clearly, everyone's going to connect the dots. And clearly, there is going to be some very toxic commentary on the back of it. She had to give an exclusive statement to people about what she was then going through in the aftermath. She told people, I want to put the speculation and rumours to rest. My Instagram post was meant to be fun and lighthearted. It was misunderstood as something other than that. There is no validity to the idea that the song references me personally. There is no truth to the rumours. Yes. So she denies completely that she had anything to do with this. And she went on to say that the the cyberbullying that she had experienced in the wake of this story was overwhelming. She said, I would hope that the media sees the real issue here, the issue of cyberbullying and how it should not be tolerated by anyone. I mean, a really fair point. I think... The internet has a real habit of taking things too far and of the pendulum swinging way too far. But what added kind of fuel to this fire was Rachel Roy's ex-husband. Rachel Roy's ex-husband, Damon Dash. Now, this is a very interesting link because Damon Dash and Jay-Z used to work together very, very closely. They were both the co-directors of a company together and that is how Rachel Roy, Beyonce, Jay-Z and Damon Dash are all connected to each other. Damon Dash made the decision to give an exclusive interview to Grazia magazine in September 2016. And before we give the quote... Why? Like, is there money changing hands here? Because someone like Damon Dash is a huge business person who would be very, very wealthy already. Is he doing it to pocket money or is he doing it to stab his ex-wife in the back? I think maybe would he just be doing it for publicity of some form? Like, what's to say he didn't have something to advertise or something to talk about? Maybe. His quote to Grazia was this. I don't care what Rachel did. I don't agree with a lot of the things she does. I have kids by that woman, so if I ever disrespect their mum, it will hurt my kids. I cannot air it out in the way I would like. I love my children, but there are definitely things that are being done which I would not expect of a regular human. But I am a gentleman, so I will not be hard on her. I have to say, he clearly has his grievances, but... I find it a bit annoying when people say, I have kids by her, I'm not going to say anything, but in turn actually say a whole lot. That said everything. That said, 
she did it, in my opinion. 100%. And also this line, there are definitely things that are being done which I would not expect of a regular human, as if she's a different breed of human. Like don't pretend that you're being a gentleman and protecting your children by not saying anything when you're saying a lot. Yeah, due diligence here, guys, and I'm sure none of you will be surprised by this. Rachel Roy and her ex-husband Damon Dash were not on good terms when these quotes were given to Grazia magazine. Their divorce was not at all an amicable one. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the year prior, so April 2015, Rachel Roy was awarded sole custody of both of their daughters. She also filed for an order of protection from Damon Dash. The court granted her and her daughters a three-year restraining order against him. He then counterfiled a lawsuit against her alleging breach of fiduciary duties in a business that they had together. But this was given at a time when he was not allowed to see his children, not allowed to see his wife because of a restraining order. It's so messy. It's just gross. The kind of tentacles that come off this story are all very messy. Like nothing about this is particularly clean. So as I'm sure you can imagine, you're probably thinking, okay, Beyonce spoken through Lemonade. When does Jay-Z speak and what does he say? So in 2017, a year after Beyonce released Lemonade, he released his album 444, And in there, he alluded to infidelity. He wrote, look, I apologize, often womanize, took for my child to be born, see through a woman's eyes, took for these natural twins to believe in miracles, took me too long for this song, I don't deserve you. I must say on the record, I understand that me reading out that line (laughs) like this is like the fucking widest thing ever. But how else am I actually meant to do it? I was about to ask you, are you dying inside as you try to read out rap lyrics? Because you are just not rap acquainted, my friend. I was embarrassed reading out the Beyonce lines, but these are like next level. In November, Jay-Z did also sit down with a journalist called Dean Baquette. He's the executive editor of the New York Times. And in the New York Times style magazine, this was kind of like a big publicity push for the 444 album. He did address those rumours to Dean Baquette. Jay-Z said, you know, most people walk away and divorce rate is like 50% or something because most people can't see themselves. The hardest thing is seeing pain on someone else's face that you caused and then you have to deal with yourself. So, you know, most people don't want to do that. You don't want to look inside yourself. And so you walk away. He continued, I grew so much from the experience. Yeah. And by experience, he means going to therapy after committing infidelity. Do you commit infidelity? Is that a thing? Like Commit infidelity. Commit a crime. Yeah. I mean, infidelity. Yeah. (laughs) After cheating on his partner, he actually went on to say how going to therapy actually really helped him understand how everything in his life has basically been connected from childhood to marriage to how he communicates with people and how he forms relationships. He said... You go into survival mode and when you go into survival mode, what happens? You shut down all emotions. So even with women, you're going to shut down emotionally so you can't connect because of the way you feel about yourself. In my case, like it's deep and then all the things happen from there, infidelity. Right. So I think that quote really alludes to the fact that there are some skeletons in Jay-Z's closets. There are potentially some mental demons that he is trying to tame And that is absolutely accurate. Jay-Z's childhood is far more traumatic than the average child's. And I think it's totally fair enough to say that the mistakes he has made as an adult ultimately, potentially, 
all linked to the trauma he experienced earlier in life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jay-Z was dealing crack at age 12. And in a 2010 Guardian piece that explained that time of his life, the journalist wrote, he was a smart boy who lost his way at 11 when his father walked out on the family. This was the 1980s. Brooklyn was infested with crack cocaine and a generation of young black children were left fatherless. His older brother, Eric, became addicted to crack. Young Jay-Z responded by hooking up with a gang and selling the same drug. Imagine finding yourself in that situation at 12 years old. Like a 12-year-old is so vulnerable and so innocent and finding himself in such a dangerous place, such a dangerous industry. Such an dare I say. world. Yeah. And I think what really struck me with these quotes was the fact that Jay-Z found himself being the adult in his world, that everyone else was so affected by drugs that he was the one who had to make the tough decisions. He told The Guardian, even when I was making terrible decisions, I was making them out of desperation rather than ignorance. I felt I was in a survival of the fittest situation. He also wanted to say that while he dealt crack cocaine, he never actually touched the drug himself. That was a piece of advice that was given to him don't get high off your own supply was the quote he gave and he credits that decision to never do the drug as how he got himself out of that situation. Yeah, and he also said he saw enough people around him be really affected by their addictions Mm. that he didn't want to do that. At age 12, he actually also shot his brother Eric in the shoulder during an argument and he told The Guardian in this 2010 piece, I thought my life was over. I thought I'd go to jail forever. It was terrible. I was a boy, a child. I was terrified. (sighs) So he shot his brother because he says his brother was stealing from him. His brother, as we know, was addicted to crack. And so it was just like this very messy, messy family dynamic. Eric actually never pressed charges. So nothing ever happened. Yeah. And Eric's actually clean now and they have a good relationship, which is a great side story to this as well. Over the time that Jay-Z was dealing drugs on the streets, he was shot at three times and every time the bullet narrowly missed him, which just feels like some higher power protecting him being like, you are destined for great things. Yeah, 100%. So it was by 1996 that he was able to make enough money from the singles he was selling out of his car that he could do music full time. He was in his late 20s by that age. So I think going back to... Jay-Z's quotes to Dean Baquette saying, you go into survival mode and when you go into survival mode, what happens? You shut down all emotions. With this context, it absolutely seems to be true that you would shut down a lot of your emotions because his whole life up until maybe when he started making money and started doing really well was in survival mode. It very much was survival of the fittest. He also touched on in this New York Times interview with Dean Baquette that it was a bit awkward when he and Beyonce were creating these albums because they were pouring everything into the music. He said, we were using our art almost like a therapy session and he went on to describe the experience as very, very uncomfortable. Can you imagine? Like you've gone through all of this shit with your partner, you are working your way back from an affair and then they are releasing art to the world that slams you but you have to let them do that because that's how they're ultimately going to heal. Yes, absolutely. And and you need them to heal in order for both of you to heal. Yeah. But I think that's the thing when you make a mistake, like in Fidelity, those are the things you have to wear. Like mm. the journey to getting back together was never going to be an easy one. And you're going to have to put some stuff on the line. Yeah. A few months after that New York Times style magazine interview, another 
really fascinating interview with Jay-Z came out. This was in April 2018 and this was actually on television with David Letterman. In that interview, David Letterman actually began the chat and ventured into the affair territory really cleverly. I think this is an interesting thing for an interviewer to do. You go into an interview and you know, okay, I have to ask about the biggest controversy with this person. But number one, I can't do it too early. If I do it too early, they're going to seize up and they're going to shut down for the rest of the interview. Number two, I have to appear vulnerable myself so that they feel like it's a safe space where they're talking to an equal not being spoken down to. Yes. And that is exactly what he did. David Letterman opened by saying, a few years ago, I got myself into some trouble and the situation was my responsibility and my fault. I did something that I had no business doing and I regret it. And since then, I have tried to acknowledge that mistake and be a better person. At the time, the pain that I caused was the fear that I had blown up my family. I never talked to a person who had been in that situation. And I'm wondering if this rings a bell for you. I'm wondering if this rings a bell. (laughs) So David Letterman is actually talking about the fact that a few years before this interview, it was revealed that he was sleeping with female members of his staff and he was actually blackmailed about that. He had to come on television and talk (laughs) about it. So awkward. He had to come on television and acknowledge that, yes, he's been having affairs, like more than one, with members of his staff and Mm. his wife didn't know about it. Yeah, his wife didn't know about it. They had a conversation very, very shortly before he went on air. But effectively, she found out about it at a very similar time to the public finding out about it. And that was a huge controversy in the US. As an aside, if you want us to do a scandal episode on that, please let us know because I couldn't get out of a rabbit hole. Once I saw this David Letterman interview, I was like, sorry, what? I imagine just watching that TV show though and see, <sighs> like having the TV host be like, yes, I've been sleeping with all my stuff. Like wild stuff. Anyway, so Jay-Z responds and says... Much like you, I have a beautiful wife who was understanding and who knew that I'm not the worst of what I've done and who did the hard work of going to therapy and really we love each other. We really put in the work. He went on for years. This music that I'm making now is a result of the things that happened already. Like you, I like to believe that we're in a better place today and still working and communicating and growing. I'm proud of the father and the husband that I am today because of all the work that was done. Hats off to Beyonce for sticking with him through this. And also hats off to Jay-Z, a man who has been through it in life and chose to do that work. Like I'm not sitting here being like affairs are fine, go cheat on your partner. Of course, affairs are awful. But it's really refreshing hearing a couple own up to it and go, you know what? We survived anyway and we're better now. I want to know, do you think that we would know all of this stuff had the elevator incident not been leaked to the public? Mm, I think it's almost impossible to know. I think there had been rumours about Jay-Z cheating on Beyonce for so long. They had never really addressed it. I mean, I know we had songs from Beyonce before. We referenced one, the one on the Ohio tour that she was singing that referenced infidelity. But I think with any artist, whether that's Taylor Swift, Beyonce, whoever, there's always a question of, is this about their life or are they just singing about a past experience with another boyfriend? Are they simply channeling the emotion they see of the people around them or writing about a friend's experience? Maybe we would have seen similar content come out, but we wouldn't have tied it so closely. We wouldn't have gone, this is them speaking from their own heart and soul. It felt a little bit like a perfect storm or like a whole lot of dominoes that all fell together. Mm. Like you had Elevator Gate, 
Then you had Beyonce releasing Lemonade. Then you had Rachel Roy posting that photo, which gave even greater fuel to the fire. And then you've got Jay-Z having to honestly do the work in order to kind of win his wife back. And in order to do that work, it's got to be owning up to it publicly and writing about it and making sense of it. I don't think we would be having this conversation about Jay-Z and Beyonce and their music and the infidelity if not for this elevator incident. I yeah. think we'd still have those rumours, those like vague rumours like we had with the Rihanna stuff and stuff like that, but I don't think we'd have this fully fleshed out story. They have done the most incredible thing, I think, in mm. the years after this incident and that is by just being so fucking honest. I think before the elevator incident we had this couple who we honestly considered completely perfect like who had been together almost their whole lives who were like the king and queen of music king and queen of like the celebrity world and when the veil was suddenly stripped back and we saw them arguing and fighting in an elevator they had to come out and be like yeah we're not fucking perfect like I've cheated on her and she's really unhappy with me and this is the nature of our relationship and suddenly we like them even more yeah well we do like them even more and the fascinating element to this story that I can't wrap my head around is that when I've spoken to friends or when we have gone into the shameless office and been like, guys, the next scandal episode is Elevator Gate, the Beyonce, Solange, Jay-Z scandal. We have seen so many blank faces, like so many of our own team members who are very engrossed with pop culture looked at us and went, what elevator scandal? So it's fascinating because I think the way they've handled this, the way they have worked through it and smoothed it over and kept us at arm's distance while also making us feel like we're their friend and we're kind of involved and they're letting some information out has meant that a lot of people have just forgotten about this. A lot of people have just gone, yeah, whatever, they're good now, which is so ideal for Beyonce and Jay-Z. Yeah, and it's so interesting because I wonder if other high-profile couples would ever look at this and think, maybe we should be a bit more honest. Mm. But then it's quite exposing, to be honest, unless you really, really have to. But what it's done, not just for their brand, but for our perception of their marriage as a really realistic but very loving one, is incredible. I mean, what is very curious about how we still glorify the perfect couple is that it hasn't stopped us from still putting other people on a pedestal as couples with like the perfect marriage when we know that's just never realistic or never how marriages are. Yeah, we're like goldfish. We do this every few years with a different couple. At the moment, I would say the golden Hollywood couple is like Emily Blunt yes. and John Krasinski. They're half of the TikTok videos on my feed. 100%. They're half of mine as well. And there's always like those weird compilations of them on <laughs> Facebook where people are like their best moments. It's like, imagine being loved like this. Yes. And it's like, I am sure they have a wonderful marriage, but we know that not every marriage is just like perfect. And I think we did it with Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard and they've had to come out and say that they've found that really hard because they haven't had a perfect marriage, but they love each other a lot. I think it's just a good reminder about how we do this all the fucking time and how we're always wrong. Yeah. Love is dead. I yeah. can't deal. It's like it's it's not that simple. But I just I have such admiration for how they've been able to spin this story. This was the biggest celebrity story for such a long time. It was messy. It was ugly. It was gross. There was violence. And how they've been able to band together as a family and come out stronger is honestly unheard of. Yeah. Catching us up to today, Beyonce and Jay-Z are still together. They have three children, Blue Ivy, who is nine. They've also got twins, Sir and Rumi, who are three. They went on a second on the run tour in 2018 and they are now worth a cool 1.95 
billion. Just a cool $1.95 billion. Solange is still creating music. She's also creating fashion and art house films with her agency, St. Huron. She has separated from her husband of five years, Alan Ferguson, in 2019. They haven't divorced yet. There were some interesting rumours at the time that she was unfaithful with her manager, but they were never confirmed. When they actually split on Instagram, she wrote, 11 years ago, I met a phenomenal man who changed every existence of my life. Early this year, we separated and parted ways. I find it necessary to protect the sacredness of my personal truth and to live in it fully just as I have before and will continue to do. It is unfair to not have power over your own story as you shape and mould and rewrite it yourself. Yeah, and just to bring things full circle, in the last few weeks, Jay-Z and Beyonce have been papped courtside at the Nets game, very, very little changes, even when your life is thrown completely askew by the world's biggest celebrity scandal. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I think that is all we've got time for today. This episode was researched by you and I, Mish, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. If you want to support the show, what can they do, Mish? You can do so many things. If you are listening to us on Apple right now, we'd so appreciate you picking your phone up, clicking the big follow button that helps us out in Spotify charts. If you want to help Shameless appear high up in the Apple podcast charts, please click subscribe. We would also really appreciate it if you enjoy the show, you want us to put out more content every week, please leave us a five-star review. No pressure. Thank you if you do that. Not everyone's going to love us. That's okay. <laughs> that is such is the way of life. Hey, we are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. There'll be a bunch of photos up on our page when this episode drops, so go check them out. Woohoo! Thanks, guys. Bye. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.